The usage of mobile phones has been skyrocketing since 2007 and continues to play a major role in our personal and work lives. In the future, will our usage continue to grow? The answer to that question is still unknown, but what we do know is how and why mobile is so important in the present day. On this episode of IT Visionaries, we chatted with Victor Oliveros, the Senior Director of Product Management at Salesforce, who focuses on leading a product team that works specifically on the Salesforce mobile app. Victor touches on many things, including how to launch a B2B app, the implementations that go into mobile voice technology, and the importance of the CIO in tech companies. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform. This episode is part of a special series on the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the platform that powers the world's number one CRM. In this series, executives from Salesforce will discuss how using 10 innovative technologies, including AI, blockchain, and automation, can help you drive the digital transformation of every experience and get you closer to your customers. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we are in the Salesforce Tower, 15th floor. Victor, how's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to be here. We are going to be talking all things mobile, app development, apps and mobile, how they're going together, and your role on the Salesforce app. But first, how did you get into technology in the first place? Yeah, I grew up in the Philippines, actually. And in the mid-90s, as a young kid, uh, the MIT Media Lab organized an online conference for about 3,000 kids all over the world. My brother and I got invited, and this was the mid-90s, so it was essentially a bunch of kids emailing each other uh, in that conference. And the goal was to talk about the problems that our own countries had and how technology could help solve those problems. And so coming from the Philippines, I talked about income inequality, access to clean water, and things like that. Um, But the really cool part about it was all these kids spoke different languages, right? From Africa to South America to North America. And so the Media Lab had a auto email translation technology. So think of it as a really early version of Google Translate that allowed me to communicate with kids from Africa and learn about their problems. Then MIT chose about 90 kids from that 3,000 to go to MIT for a week and spend time with their professors to look at emerging technologies and things like that. So a week in MIT, after I got back to the Philippines, I was really hooked. Um, took computer engineering in college and became an iOS and Android developer and just took took up from there. That's incredible. What a cool story. Yeah. It would be so cool to go back and look at all the transcripts from that. Totally. And the, the interesting part was a lot of my exposure to technology was how it could help humans as opposed to building technology for technology's sake. And um, and that's influenced a lot of my career from there. Yeah, you've done a ton of work in healthcare, specifically around designing applications. Um, you founded and were CEO of a company called Healthcare Love. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, this was when uh, universal healthcare is and was a huge topic in the United States. And I wanted to find a way 
to make to use technology, use my expertise to help people find the right healthcare plans for them. And so that was one of the things that I thought, hey, technology could really help with this space. Yeah, and so funny enough, uh, you end up learning about the Salesforce uh, million dollar hackathon. Like, tell me, tell me about this. You know, the funny part was we I had a couple of friends and I were having a barbecue in uh, San Rafael, and one of them said, "You guys should really join this hackathon." And personally, I don't, I don't like hackathons just because it's. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of a crapshoot and whether you win or not um, and what the judging criteria is. But I heard a lot of good things about Salesforce and it was a million dollar hackathon. So I said, why not? So three of us decided to look, what's the biggest problem that Americans have? One of it is access to healthcare. How can we use Salesforce to make that easier for them? So we built this beautiful, easy to use iPad app that essentially used Salesforce as an API for people to be able to pick the healthcare plans that are right for them based on their income level, based on their family, and so on. So, Spoken like a true developer that you, d- you don't like hackathons because of the judging criteria. Yeah. That's pretty great. Um, so, yeah, what happened? Yeah, so we, we entered and with no expectations at all. Um, and then the Sunday night before Dreamforce in 2013, we got an email from Salesforce saying, hey, show up at Dreamforce at 8 a.m. tomorrow. You're going to present your app to about 500 to 1,000 people at Dreamforce, and you're just going to do a demo in front of the judges. And so showed up, had no idea what to expect. I had no idea there's 100,000 people at the conference and that they closed down half of San Francisco for it. Um, Demoed in front of Mark Benioff, Parker Harris, um, and a lot of the execs. Ended up actually winning first place and uh, was grateful for the experience. That's so cool. And so then what, and then you kind of went back and, and, and built a company around this or did you already have the company? Yeah, I, I took a year to see what, what we could do in the healthcare space to start a company around it. Um, but it was also one of the most humbling experience of, experiences of my life on how hard it is to build and maintain and make a company successful. Yeah. And after that year, I realized before I could do that, I really needed to learn how to build the company the right way and read a lot about uh, Salesforce and Mark Benioff uh, based on my experience in the hackathon and decided to join the Salesforce mobile team. Yeah, and so this was a little over four years ago at this point. That's right. Yeah. So flash forward to today, you know, tell me a little bit about your current role. My current role is I lead a team of product managers that work on the Salesforce mobile app. And I see our main role as being the voice of the customer as far as mobile goes. Uh, We need to understand what our customer CIOs go through, what their stakeholders need from them, what their end users need from them, and then building that into our Salesforce platform. And what are some of those things that CIOs kind of you know, require from this and technology leaders and, and business leaders, like what are the things that, that they require from the app? Yeah, I feel like the demands for CIOs today are so complicated. They have so many stakeholders. They're asked to build things, build mobile apps across multiple lines of businesses in their company. But at the same time, 
need to tailor those experiences to that line of business across multiple countries and things like that. So that's hard in itself, but they're also asked to make these mobile apps really easy to use so that they spend the minimum amount of time and money training their users on it. Yeah, and obviously when you're talking about a solution that impacts potentially you know, large percentage of the company implementation and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and you're really competing with every other consumer-based app out there. Like, Absolutely. I, like that's one of the tough things that, you know, I'd love for you to, you know, kind of speak more about here is, you know, now you have Postmates or you right. have, uh, you know, all these other, you know, obviously like Uber and Lyft and all these sort of applications that are so seamless, that are, you know, geolocated, that can do all of these amazing things. And as business people, we expect that sort of seamless, you know, use case. And when you get on a B2B app or an internal app, it might not be the case. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with phones is that it's such a personal device. Uh, users actually don't differentiate between this is my work phone and my personal phone. It's just one device. And so your B2B apps on their home screen sit right next to your Uber app, your Postmates app, which are seamless. You launch it, you enter your phone number, and then you're ready to go, right? Minimal setup and your users get to go, which because of that, users have the same expectations of B2B apps now, which if my Uber app only ask for a phone number, and then I can hail a ride in less than 30 seconds, I should be able to do what I need to do for work in that same amount of time for this app. And the screen, I mean, this is obvious, but the screen is so much smaller than what you're used to. I'm sure a bunch of our listeners still, you know, work with multiple additional screens and all that sort of stuff. But in most cases, I mean, like for the executives that we talked to on the show, Almost all of them work primarily off their phones, on the go, you know, running around because they're not doing, you know, the in-depth, uh, they're not jamming away on Excel these days uh, or, or programming heavily. But I think it's just a fascinating, you know, kind of time in history where everything that can be done on a mobile device, we just prefer to do it that way, even if it's slightly more difficult than just going and grabbing your laptop. Yeah, I think it's a misconception that a lot of people have where because it's a smaller screen, it's easier to build software applications on it. It's actually the opposite because you really are forced to think of what are the essential things that I need to provide to my users in this app. And like we let's going back to the comparison to the consumer experience, what are the most essential things? And I need to see these things the moment I launch the app also. Yeah, it's like the uh, Mark Twain. I if I had more time, I would have wrote you a shorter letter thing. Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, how do you look at you know app development? So, let's say you know for our listeners who are maybe they have launched maybe V one or V two of their app and they're struggling with things like from a principles first approach. How would you if you're talking like an enterprise application for your company? And I know there's a lot of use cases here, but just if you could walk through some of kind of how you view app development at, you know, an enterprise company. Yeah, at the highest level, uh, I feel like at an enterprise company, an app has to be tailored to how they do their business, to their unique business processes. I speak to about a dozen customers a month just to understand what they're going through. And one thing that I've learned is that their business process, the way they do sales, the way they do employee engagement, 
is so unique and it's like a unique fingerprint. So the first thing I look at uh, if I was building an app for B2B purposes is what are our unique business processes and how can we tailor the app and the user experience to that? Do you think, you know, with obviously so many great apps out there, like when, let's say, an enterprise B2B company, if you wanted to build an application, you know, for your customers, for example, for your employees, like, do all of these live in the same, under the same hood? Like, are you, do you want to have something that's for both of those? Like, do you want to have one source of truth? Do you want to build multiple applications? How, do, how would you look at that? There was a time around 2011 when the first App Store version came out for Apple and Google that there was an app for literally everything, right? An app did one thing and then you had to have 100 apps on your phone. Um, what, I've, what we've seen, especially in enterprise, is a consolidation of apps where customers, whether they're employees or external customers, want one place to go to do their work. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that that's, that's part of the thing there. I think it's exciting that, you know, with low code and no code tools that, you know, a random employee can build an app that helps them do something, you know, an expense report or whatever it is. I think that stuff is is super cool. But ultimately, like that core use case of, you know, you just want to go into one thing. You don't want to sit there and have, you know, 55 apps for that do all of these different things. Do you see that changing? Do you think that, you know, because it, you know, standing up a whole separate app potentially could be cheaper than changing the current one? Like, what do you think kind of the future of that looks like? Yeah, I think building and launching a V1 of an app is one thing. And continuing to update that and maintain that with functionality and you're going to get feedback from your users is another as well. Um, the way, the principle I look at it is this. A lot of employees out there are not software people. What they need to do is to be able to do their jobs. And so the app itself should actually do the heavy lifting. So if you can provide your employees with one place to download, one app to download, one username and password to log in, and based on what they do and what they need for their work, the app adjusts the user experience, it adjusts the features to that. Um, I think that's where the slam dunk use case is at. Yeah, and what are some, uh, and I know you can't share specific you know, customer names or anything, but what are some places that you've seen uh, apps like that work really well? So let's say you're a big insurance company, and... You have a lot of a lot of different employees, a lot of different salespeople across the entire United States. And what your sales folks in California need from an app is probably different than what your sales folks need from New York. Yeah. Different laws, uh, different insurance plans, a different way of interacting with their own customers. The way I've seen this executed really well is that they take the, the Salesforce mobile app and based on the employee's user profile, the app knows, okay, this user is from California in this specific county. So the customer information that we're going to pull up for this specific employee is localized to that person so that they don't have to go and search or they don't have to tell the app, hey, I'm in this county, I'm in this city, I'm in this state, pull up my customer information. It already knows those things. And what we've seen is that the 
what we call user adoption for an app like this that tailors itself to different sales geographies is magnet orders of magnitudes better than apps that are built as a one size fits all. Oh, that's really cool. So how would you look at arranging your team to work on that? Would you have different kind of PMs on different regions or use cases? Yeah, that's a great thing about low-code and no-code platforms where you don't need people who uh, have a background in engineering to be able to become product managers for these different regions. You can actually take the, let's say, your sales ops folks or your business analysts who know the business really well and use them as your product managers for saying, this is what my region needs versus that region. And so you'll be, as, as a CIO, my recommendation is use the business experts that are already around you and use no-code and low-code platforms to deliver those features. So Mark Benioff said in 2018 that Salesforce is going to build amazing new voice-based mobile experiences. Um, What are some of the challenges implementing voice for mobile? Voice is a wonderful technology, right? Uh, Because it takes unstructured data like your speech and turns it into structured data that's useful for work and business and mapping it to Salesforce records and objects and things like that. But there's a lot of challenges with it. One is uh, different languages, for example. So it's one thing to build a voice application for English speakers. It's another thing to build it for Mandarin and Japanese speakers as well. And the other the other challenges are, you know, accents also. So going from speech to text. But the value, it's totally worth it. Because one thing that's really hard to do with mobile apps across consumer and enterprise is typing on a keyboard. Even if you have the latest iPhone or the latest Android phone, software keyboards are still really hard to use, especially for work. If you've ever typed multi-paragraph emails, it's hard. But what voice promises to do is taking that effort away from the user. So just talk to Salesforce. Just say, give us your record updates, and we will do the heavy lifting of updating the, the database records for you. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of times with voice, we kind of think of this, you know, with, with obviously Siri and Alexa and, and all that stuff. You think of just like this one kind of person or assistant that you're talking to that's going to kind of figure it all out. But without, without an application, without a database, without a layer in there to capture that and to put it in the right place, you're potentially like, who are you talking to sort right. of a thing, right? And I think that part of the thing that's so exciting is to be able to, you know, open your mobile app and, you know, whether it's you click on a customer or whatever and say, you know, hey, you know, had a great conversation today, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, these are the follow-ups, you know, and then it, it throws something on your calendar or does those things. You know, how difficult is that reality and like how close kind of are we? I know there's specific things that we're seeing already that, you know, either Salesforce has has demoed recently at Dreamforce or what have you, but like, what are those kind of things looking like? This all goes back to building a voice application for a very specific purpose is, I would say, medium difficulty. But building a voice application that can be used for many different purposes is a lot harder to do. And that's what that Einstein voice team is working on. 
which is there's a down the middle sales use case where a salesperson meets with a customer and then after the meeting goes, launches the Salesforce mobile app, taps on the Einstein voice button and goes, had a great meeting with this customer, update the opportunity close date to 30 days earlier, update the opportunity amount to this much, and here are my follow-up items. That down the middle use case is reality. It's here. But then if a customer if a Salesforce customer goes, we actually need to use it for internal employee engagement use cases. Mm-hmm. Or our sales folks in North America will use it for a different object than our sales folks in South America. How can you make us make voice configurable using a no-code tool? So that's when the complication happens. But really, I think you you nailed it where the magic with voice isn't so much the speech to text because any app can do that. Yep. And that's actually provided for free by your by iOS and Android. The magic is taking speech to text to then mapping it to useful business data. And that's really where the magic of Einstein voice is. It looks at the Salesforce records that matter to you personally and maps your recording to those Salesforce records. Yeah, we had the CIO of Autodesk on recently. And one of the really interesting things that he was talking about was the bots that they were using to like, it's they, they don't call it ticket taking, but basically to resolve issues. And I kind of feel the same way about about voice, where it's not good enough just to, you know, be able to say, hey, we're putting this out there. It's a recorded thing. What's so exciting to me is that it can actually resolve the issue. It can actually do the thing. It can send the email. It can set the follow-up. Um, and obviously with AI machine learning, like, those things are, are right around the corner. It can find time on your calendar. It can do all those sort of things, you know, and then we're, then we're really living in the future. But again, it has to go back to like that source of truth in, in the mobile app and it has to be on the go and it's not going to be, you know, desktop. How do you kind of see mobile being able to leverage those technologies to like fully close the loop and like do the next action rather than just kind of like record what's going on? The mobile phone, the smartphone more and more has all these hardware capabilities. Um, Like we were talking about the mic, which records, which turns speech to text, right? The way I see it is, first of all, it has to be easy to use. Yeah. And the one thing that is funny to me and that the one question that we always ask on the mobile team is, is the feature we're building an order of magnitude better than how people used to do this thing. Yeah. So, for example, taking notes of your sales meeting using a pen and notebook. That's not such a bad way to take notes, but users will not stop doing things the old way unless we provide something much better. So the first thing with voice is make it as easy as opening a notebook and pulling a pen out of your pocket. So that means that user pulls their phone out of their pocket and tapping on the Salesforce mobile app immediately, it should start recording. Like, what do you need? What do you want to update? And things like that. And then second is it has to be right 99.9% of the time because as opposed to consumer apps, what people record using Einstein voice is critical business data. Yeah. So the accuracy is super important. Yeah, and 
to your point, if you're sitting in a board meeting, you can't do speech-to-text notes, and you probably shouldn't be recording the conversation potentially. Maybe you should. I don't know. But you can't just like stop the middle of the meeting and give yourself a voice note, right? So you still need to have an application where you can put those things in. And again, it's probably on your phone or like taking a note or whatever it is. And then when you leave the meeting and are walking to your next meeting, you can leave a voice note to you know take action on something. But I think you're, I love the order of magnitude piece. How do you measure that? Like, what does your team look at? Like, what is an order of magnitude better? Yeah, we measure it in two ways. There's the qualitative way to do it, which is speak to the actual users. And then there's a quantitative way, which is let's look at the analytics behind users using it, right? The quantitative way of doing it gives you a leading indicator of whether you've built something that's an order of magnitude better, where you look at the number of users that are using your feature. The qualitative way of doing it is actually talking to those users and saying, is it an order of magnitude better? What are the things that you wish you could do with voice that you were able to do with your pen and paper before? But as going back to CIOs, where my conversations with CIOs across a lot of customers is, how do we measure the success of our mobile features? Yeah. And building, being data-driven from the beginning is critical and building analytics. So when you are sitting down saying, here's what we're building and here's how long it's going to take, my advice is build in the work to build analytics from the very beginning so you have numbers to see whether your feature is actually working out or not. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, it goes back to that, the Amazon, you know, and doing anything to save a click, right? Doing anything to like save those actions and preserve those actions. Like even with, you know, we're, we're Salesforce customers, obviously, you know, updating stages is something that just like has changed. It's so much easier to update a stage now of just boom, you just, you know, you click on it and the stage is updated for an opportunity or something like that. And you just see those type of, you know, use cases are so obvious that like, yeah, hey, I could say that a stage is updated, but like just clicking on it with your thumb and takes like a fraction of a second. But transcribing, you know, what happened in a in a you know long conversation when you're on the go, when you're in your car or, you know, when you're running from place to place. I mean, I remember when the Salesforce app first launched, you know, this was years ago, and we were trying to implement it at the at the last company I worked at. And it kind of got some resistance from some of the people that were like, oh, it's all right, I'll just do it when I get home. And then it was like, you know, sales reps going home, you get home at the end of your day and you forget all the conversations and you do all that stuff, or you took, you know, handwritten notes and then you have to go back and then you spend two hours updating Salesforce. When in reality, it's just like, hey, just fire up the app and just take the notes right there. Like, you know, take eight seconds after your meeting and do that. But a lot of people, that was the huge sticking point was like they didn't have that minute because they were running from meeting to meeting or they didn't have the 30 seconds. And with voice, I just feel like that's, and, and mobile together, it's just so much easier. Yeah, you mentioned it. Saving one tap is so important, um, especially since you only have 30 minutes or 60 seconds to go from meeting to meeting. And what I want to add is the technology behind voice where it takes your speech and converts it to Salesforce data or does the data entry work for you can also be done honestly with written notes. So if you type up your notes during a meeting or while you're on a plane, that's one of the use cases that I've heard, which is I love Einstein voice. 
But if I'm on a plane or a public place, I can't suddenly just start talking to my phone, especially if it's a confidential. Yeah. Uh, if what I'm saying has confidential business data, like opportunity amounts. So one of the things that we're exploring is, can you just type up your notes and then using the same technology that takes speech and maps them to business data, can we take your notes and then map it to business data as well? So that's kind of the, that's why I see Einstein Voice and the Salesforce mobile app as essentially one and the same. We just finished up Dreamforce. Obviously, lots of talk about the mobile roadmap. Can you share uh, some insights on, on what's next for uh, the Salesforce app and mobile uh, here at Salesforce? One of the most exciting things about Dreamforce is we get to talk to customers, dozens if not hundreds of customers at any given time. And one of the, one of the sessions that I love presenting at the most is the mobile roadmap session where we talk about what we're building six months, 12 months, 18 months from now. And one of the fan favorites, one of the features that are the fan favorites is being able to take advantage of the hardware capabilities of a smartphone with no code and low code tools. Yeah. So for example, uh, one of the surprise hits to me is we're building a component called the business card scanner. And all that really does is that it takes the phone's camera, scans a business card, and then creates a contact in Salesforce. But like you said earlier, a lot of sales reps, what they have to do is they go through all these sales meetings and on Friday afternoon, they just want to get home, but they have to do a bunch of data entry. And part of that data entry is all the business cards they got that week, they have to create contact records in Salesforce. How do we do that in a way so that we take that pain from the users and immediately just create that in Salesforce? So the way we're building it is we're creating a barcode scanner. We're we're creating a business card scanner. We're creating a document scanner and basically taking all these things that were easier to do with pen and paper and making it an order of magnitude easier to do with the Salesforce mobile app. But I think the magic really is for Salesforce admins and CIOs is being able to roll these features out using no code and low code tools. So what'll happen is all these components, they're just lightning components, will just be part of the Lightning App Builder. So an admin who does not have a degree potentially in AI or has not spent the last five years of their life doing machine learning can go to the Lightning App Builder and drag and drop these components into the Salesforce mobile app and immediately deploy these to their users. That's really cool. I, it is definitely a request for a uh, for feature that I've had in my life since I started selling <laughs> many years ago, uh, man, you'd get those stack of business cards after a conference and you'd have like 50 and you're like, how am I ever going to add all these? Yeah, absolutely. And most of the time they don't have the time to do so. Or for those sales reps that love taking notes still on their pen and paper, what we're trying to do is find a way so that you can take a picture of your notes and have that immediately get entered into Salesforce without you having to do a bunch of data entry. And then what about AI? How would that potentially be able to make user experience even easier? The way I look at AI is that one way to look at it is, wouldn't it be great if a feature got better the more you used it? And that's what I think the main purpose of AI is, is to learn from a user's behavior what information is important to them 
and surface that so that there's less taps and that there's less clicks to get to what they need. Yeah, that's a great point. And one of the great applications of AI is search, especially on your phone, where let's say you're a sales rep, you're on the go, you're in between meetings, and you just need to find information about this account that you're about to meet with. The thing is, let's say there's thousands of sales reps in your company, and there's many accounts of similar names, for example. And so you're in between meetings, you're searching for something on your phone, you can't find that account. The great thing about the updates we're making to search on the Salesforce mobile app is with AI, it learns which accounts are most important to you. So as you start typing, it actually shows these accounts that we predict are really important to you. So that lessens the amount of taps and user frustration of, hey, no, that wasn't the account I was looking for. It's the other account. Do you think that, you know, with things like AI and building that into an app, that, you know, every company going forward, is it easier to be able to build that functionality into an app rather than, you know, on your website or via browser? That's certainly what we're trying to do. Uh, We're trying to make it so that AI is just built into every feature. AI is just built into Lightning components. Um, So you can use your low-code and no-code tools to just add them to your app. I think they are incredibly important to websites, uh, incredibly important to people who use their laptops and desktops. But as you mentioned earlier, it's super important when you have a small screen for that small screen, for that app to do the heavy lifting for you. And that's what AI really helps with. And that's what AI makes features an order of magnitude better than what they were before. Yeah, because ultimately, you know, it's about saving time. And if AI is decreasing your search time or things like that, it's going to be way advantageous. And then, you know, the other piece of that is being predictive, you know, like, hey, you're you know, near this company's headquarters and you haven't talked to them in, you know, three months, you know, maybe you should stop by, I guess you shouldn't stop by random headquarters, but that's the olden days, right? You know, things like that to actually be predictive instead of being reactive. Yeah, predictive and proactive are two of uh, a couple of my favorite words these days. Um, And your example is great. Another example I would use is if you had door-to-door sales folks and they were just in this particular town and they visited all the all the accounts, all the residences that they had slated to that day, but they have extra time. The, the app should be smart enough to say, this person's in this geographic location, these accounts are close to them. So I'm going to proactively send them a notification saying, actually, here's other accounts that you might be able to visit. All right, let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. And the lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, of course, which you know very well. Uh, it's the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. You can go to salesforce.com platform to learn more. And for all of our listeners, go check it out because we love platform. And Customer 360, what's better than that? Go check it out. Lightning round questions. Victor, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one. What app are you using on your phone that is the most fun and it can't be the Salesforce one? It can't be the Salesforce no, mobile No, that's app? cheating. Okay. Uh, I use the Gmail app a lot and we talk about AI because it actually predicts what I'm about to type before I start typing it. It's so incredible. Good. That's, it's every, it's the best, uh, the 
predictive text thing on when it predicts like a, like a paragraph and a half and you're like, dang, it's crazy. <laughs> you know me. Yeah. And it's personalized to me. Right. And that's, that's what I really like about it. Kudos to that. So we got to bring him on the podcast to talk about how they know all my colloquialisms. How about your favorite animal? We just got a puppy. Oh, so that would have to be my favorite animal. You know, it's not with its trials and tribulations, but having a puppy, having a dog is just an amazing thing. What kind of dog? It's an old English sheepdog. Oh, that's that is great. Favorite book or recent podcast? It, you mean podcast outside of IT Visionaries? Of course. Yeah, of course. Thanks, of yeah. course. So that's just the given. Favorite book lately, uh, I read Sapiens. Oh, yeah. Uh, really interesting book. Really, uh, I love how opinionated the book is, really controversial. And, you know, maybe all their claims aren't great, but I think it's a great way to learn about human nature. What is your favorite thing to cook or eat? I think my favorite thing to eat is pizza. And um, since we're talking about mobile apps, apps make it way too easy to eat pizza every day, especially in San Francisco. I do love cooking. I like making baked chicken a lot just because it's quick and it's easy and it's awesome. What would be your best advice for a mobile PM? Get to know your users. At the end of the day, there's a human behind every phone. I know a lot of, you know, in the software industry, we become obsessed with with data, which is great. And we look at monthly active users, user engagement and things like that and other advanced metrics. But get to know your users. There's humans that are just trying to do their work at the end of the day. And talking to them personally will give you insights that uh, would be mind blowing to you. What are you most excited about for the future of mobile? What I'm most excited about is that the smartphone is becoming more and more of a hub in your pocket. We know that glasses are coming. Uh, We know that digital glasses with augmented reality are coming. The watch, the wearables are already here, but they all need your phone to actually function. Your phone is essentially uh, what they use for processing, memory, and to save battery life. Uh, What I'm really excited about is being able to use that so that devices get smaller and smaller. And yeah, basically that's it. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? That's a tough one. I think when people ask, what is your passion outside of work? What is your passion outside of work? What do you do for fun? I love cooking. I love reading. One of the things when picking a major for college was I was picking between English literature and computer engineering. I love the human side of things as well. So reading books that are not related to tech is probably one of my favorite things to do. I love it. Victor, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. We'll be following along closely. Anything with the app that goes wrong, I'll make sure to email you, but it never does, right? In a perfect world. You have my number, text me. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. <laughs>